Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, you health renaissance people. Yes, this is Dr. John Bergman talking from the dark ages. And I say dark ages because this is when the world has gone crazy. Now, uh, tonight we're talking about the opioid crisis, okay? I mean, literally how to make drug addicts. Now, there are people legitimately in pain. Absolutely. These people need help. Uh, But the pharmaceutical industry is uh, taking over the government, taking over the advertisements, and literally controlling the education of the doctors. I mean, first, we're not going to talk about just the opioid epidemic. You know, it's like this thing's attacking us. No, we're looking at the failure of a medical system that's supposed to be involved in healthcare when there isn't really healthcare. It's a medical reimbursement. You don't go to a doctor and they say, look, man, we're going to teach you how to move well, eat well, think well, how to poop well. You're going to, you're going to have great physiology. No. They do a series of uh, tests or vital signs. They ask you some questionnaires, diagnose you with something, and give you medications. I mean, what are people told about symptoms? Okay, look at the big picture. What do they say? You know, bunion formation, do they say that's an unstable pelvis? No, they say it's hereditary. It runs in the family. Uh, why do you have arthritis? Oh, it's old age, trauma. Why do you have carpal tunnel syndrome, repetitive motion? Why do you have headaches? Or oh, it runs in the family. Environment, it's not your fault. It just happens. Okay, most symptoms are an acute manifestation of a chronic problem. People aren't told to respect it. If you look at the Journal of the American Medical Association, they say 128,000 people every year die from the right medication at the right time in the right dosage for the right diagnosis. The entire medical system of drugging symptoms instead of respecting the body's processes, instead of looking at the adaptive physiologic response, that's right. If somebody has excessive physical, chemical, or emotional stress, if they've got um, chronic, chronic stressors, and they are toxic and deficient in nutrients, such as the standard American diet, they're not taking supplements, their bodies are going to react to this. And then that reaction, that adaptive physiologic response, and it could be anything. It could be reflux. It could be diarrhea. It could be high blood pressure. It could be high cholesterol. It could be anxiety. It could be excessive histamine response and swelling of the mucous membranes. About 2,400 people per week are estimated to die from drugs. That's, you're talking 2,500 people a week okay, are dying from the right drug at the right time. Let's look back. So now, I mean, more people are dying every year than died in the entire Vietnam War, okay? Um, 1905, there was an article that I found in this history museum, the, the pharmacy museum. Now, back then in 1905, they were put in heroin in a baby's formula cough syrup. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, hey, it'll calm the kids down. You're right. And heroin back at the time was considered non-addictive. But the advertisements and the investment in the education that the pharmaceutical industry um, did then and is doing now is horrific. They called it back then patent medicines. 
And here's a quote from the 1905 article. Quote, patent medicines are poisoning people throughout America today. Babies who cry are fed laudanum under the name of syrup. Women are led to injure themselves by reading in the papers about the meaning of backache. Young men and boys are robbed and contaminated by vicious criminals who lure them to their dens through seductive advertisements. End of quote. Okay, how many times have you seen on the television someone running through the fields because they used to be depressed, but now they're taking Lyrica or some other chemical, some other patent medicine. And then the announcer goes on to explain for two minutes that make sure you're not around TB, make sure you're not prone to any infections, make sure you don't have any liver disorder. The side effect may be suicide and death, but you can run through the field. I mean, how did the population get so duped by this? Well, a few weeks ago, 60 Minutes did an expose, and Bill Whitaker was the investigative reporter on it. Uh, and Joe Renissi, he is was the head DEA, that's Drug Enforcement Association, um, investigator looking into this. Now, in 2001, there were actually... Uh, hearings in front of Congress and Purdue, which is one of the major producers of these drugs, the, the opiums, he says addiction is not common in 2001. Addiction is rare in the pain patient who is properly managed. And end of quote. So when you look at it, it's insane. Here's a quote from the article, and I encourage you to go to cbsnews.com and it's slash XDEA agent opioid crisis. Now, here's a quote from the article. Bill Whitaker, you know, the implication of what you're saying is that these big companies knew that they were pumping drugs into American communities that were killing people. Uh, the DEA investigator, Joe Renassi, Quote, it's not an implication, that's a fact, that's exactly what they did. Amazing. Okay, so we're going to look at this a little bit. I mean, here's, we can, we can go into saying that the drug companies are evil and they created addicts and everything else. Okay, that's good. That could be a whole different talk. We can also go into saying well, the medical system of just drugging symptoms is bad. That's also bad. But let's look at a little bit different. They wouldn't be selling these drugs unless there was a market. So obviously, there's either the, the population is nutrient deficient, sick, and hurting. They have these symptoms. They have anxiety. They got back pain, neck pain, carpal tunnel syndrome. They've got Hashimoto's disease, thyroid disease, diverticulitis, endometriosis. They've got difficult menstrual symptoms. They've got sexual dysfunction. They've got bowel disorders. They have all of these symptoms from a toxic, deficient lifestyle. And they go to, they don't know that the McDonald's isn't good for them or that that the pasteurized dairy is killing them, or that they don't know what they don't know. 
They just know that they're sick and hurting and not experiencing a full level of life. So they go to the medical community, and the medical community, who's supposed to be responsible for health care, even though they're not, they're categorizing people into symptoms and then giving them chemicals to alter their physiology. So here's an article, 2013, from the Journal of Law, Medicine, and Ethics. Quote, over the past 35 years, patients have suffered from a largely hidden epidemic of side effects from the drugs that usually have very few offsetting benefits. The pharmaceutical industry has corrupted the practice of medicine through its influence over what drugs are developed and how they are tested and how medical knowledge is created. Since 1906, heavy commercial influence has compromised congressional legislation has compromised congressional legislation to protect the public from unsafe drugs. My God, end of quote. I mean, when, when we look at this, um, that more quotes from uh, the whistleblower, uh, Joe Renasi, Renasi-Isi, um, they, they were talking about how the drug dis- distributors pumped opioids into U.S. communities. Now, they knew that people were dying, and the industry lobbyists derailed Congress's efforts. I mean, Congress, <laughs> the pharmaceutical industry, paid off Congress to stop the Drug Enforcement Agency to investigate um, the ad- addiction. Now, uh, this is what's interesting. You might think with the opioid epidemic that there was a rise in pain, and that's not true. When you look at prescription sales of opioids, such as Vicodin, Percocet, they've literally quadrupled since 1999, yet there really hasn't been an overall change in the amount of pain that Americans report. And in 2013, you're talking 250 million opioid prescriptions were written in America. That's an equivalent of about one bottle of pills for every American adult. Now, here's the challenge. When you're given a pain reliever, and this is with all medications, when you're looking at the side effect of what they cause, it's usually the symptom they're designed to treat. Okay, let me word that in a way, in a way that would make sense. On antidepressants, it can cause suicide and suicidal thoughts. On muscle relaxants, it can cause muscle spasms. It turns out that pain relievers, and this was a brilliant article um, by the, the, one of the study's leaders, uh, Peter Grace, University of Colorado, and this was published in their findings in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. It turns out that if you take opioids, and we're talking codeine, oxycodone, morphine, fentanyl, I mean, the big ones, they found out that if you take these drugs for just five days, your pain increases. We found the treatment was contributing to the problem. That's right. So if you're under pain and you're taking an opiate, your pain can increase. Out of the Journal of Head and Face Pain, Uh, It turns out they have a medication overuse headache. So medications used for headaches increase it. Then we look at um, uh, George Washington University. 
They did a study, patients with chronic wounds who never receive opioids heal faster than those who do receive drugs. And this was published in the Wound Repair and Regeneration. It turns out that if you treat nasty wounds, that it takes longer to heal. So what is this? I mean, it, it... so if you prescribe a drug for pain and you're taking it longer than five days, it increases your pain along with, you're talking constipation, dry mouth, upset stomach, lung and heart problems, sleep apnea. So this means the medical community is failing our population. They're misdiagnosing what are toxic deficient responses. They're missing the adaptive physiologic response. So what are they doing? Drugging symptoms? Let's look at surgery. There's a book, and I totally recommend this book, Surgery, the Ultimate Placebo. It's by Ian Harris. Um, Now, it's interesting. Um, Here's a a couple of quotes from the book. One, quote, "The the most common cause of death after spinal fusion surgery is opioid overdose. Spine surgery is not just a sugar pill. It's more elaborate placebo than that, and it's much more. And here's more studies that were presented in this book were amazing because there's very little evidence that spinal fusion surgery for back pain is effective. It's very expensive. I mean, the implants alone are tens of thousands of dollars. And most of these lead to complications, which requires further surgeries, increased mortality, it, it's nuts. There was a task force, okay, and this is the VET task force. They go in and they researched medical interventions. And they say, at best, medical uh, science is 20% based in science or medical advice. Some people say only four. So what does that mean? Between 80 and 96% of the time, when you go to a medical doctor and you are given advice, uh, guess what? It's not based in science. Uh, tonight we're going to go over some of the other approaches that the medical world will do if you're hurting. I mean, when we talk about chronic low back pain, I mean, obviously, when you look at the journal Spine, it's it's the Spine Journal. That's uh, This is... Uh, 2008, Uh, quote, although there are multiple surgical options for the treatment of chronic low back pain, there is currently insufficient evidence on which to draw a firm conclusion as to their effectiveness on clinical outcomes. Lumbar fusion for common degenerative changes appear to offer limited relative benefits, if any, over intensive non-operative management. Isn't that interesting? So it turns out that... um, when surgery doesn't work, uh, opioids doesn't work, and surgery is not even an effective option. What about the other aspects? Let's look at more articles from 2008, the Spine Journal. They talk about muscle relaxants. Studies do not provide evidence for long-term use of muscle relaxants in chronic low back pain. Muscle relaxants demonstrated more central nervous system side effects compared with placebos in nearly all trials. Now, why would a muscle relaxant cause a central nervous system disorder? Uh, 
Well, doctors and patients, okay, let's wake up to this fact that muscle relaxants are central nervous system poisons. They attack the nervous system, and then that in turn relaxes the muscles. What about the other therapies that the medical world is offering? Well, what about electric stimulation? And again, this is out of the Spine Journal. You're talking about no eligible studies were found which base recommendations for interferential current or electrical muscle stim or ultrasound or hot packs or ice packs. So wait a second. So when you're hurting, and you go to the doctor, what do they suggest? Well, first, pain relievers, non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. Now, what do non-steroidal anti-inflammatories do, like Advil, Motrin, Aleve? They make you feel better, but they also inhibit proteoglycan production, which is the building block of cartilage. Then what happens? Well, if that doesn't work, you can get injections, steroid injections. Of course, you can't do more than four because it destroys the structures around it. Yeah, I've been in practice long enough before they put those restrictions on the steroid injections. Had one patient who had 32 shots in her arm, and she literally, and this is over a period of five years, and it was a workman's compensation case, uh, she ended up uh, not being able to use the arm at all. And, And then, of course... They got a little bit smarter about uh, that injecting multiple steroids in multiple joints can cause damage to the structures, so then they put restrictions on the shots that they give. I I mean, this is mind-boggling. Let's look at what diseases the population is suffering from. I got to tell you, they're inflammatory diseases. Have you ever heard of Alzheimer's, autism, um, asthma, depression, uh, strokes, cardiovascular disease, heart disease, chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia. All of these are inflammatory diseases. What do I mean by that? Inflammation is how the body is healing. If you scratch yourself, that area inflames. So inflammation is not something that we attack with a drug. We have to utilize our body's intelligence and stimulate that repair process. So inflammation actually helps the the body regenerate tissue. So if we're working within the design parameters of a human being, we uh, find inflammation in these disease processes and help the inflammation by giving appropriate nutrients or changing the biomechanics or getting the person's physical, chemical, or emotional stress working in conjunction Now, what's the most common pain reliever that's also one of the deadliest drugs in America that's not on the opioid addiction list? Okay, it sounds like a game show. Okay, what's the most common one? Okay, acetaminophen. Yeah, marketed as Tylenol. Well, let's look at the International Journal of Biochemistry and Cell Biology, 2005. Acetaminophen decreases intracellular glutathione levels, which modulate cytokine production in human alveolar macrophages and pneumocytes in vitro. Okay, yeah, that's the title of the article. How many people, raise your hand, how many people really want to read this thing? Okay, I did. I thought it was really interesting. Okay, so you look at it, and what they said, I got a quote from it. 
impaired endogenous antioxidant defenses may have a role in pathogenesis of a number of inflammatory pulmonary diseases, including asthma. Okay, so I'm going to cut to the chase. When they prescribe acetaminophen or Tylenol, it weakens the body's lung defenses. It weakens your body's ability to heal tissue. It depletes glutathione. Um, what about clinical biochemistry? What do they say about depletion of glutathione? This puts oxidative stress in the pathogenesis of celiac disease. So they tell you when you're taking the Tylenol that this could damage the gut. And what is glutathione? Well, glutathione is a master antioxidant and a main detoxifant. And you can find it in sulfurous comp compounds like cruciferous families. Uh, we're talking broccoli, kale, cabbage, collard greens, garlic and onions. It's amazing. But what else does Tylenol do? Now, we can pick on the opioids. Opioids decrease lung function. They cause addiction. They damage brain tissue. I'm just picking on the one that, that is part of this epidemic. Let's look at Tylenol. You're talking psychiatric effects, dulled emotion response, increased asthma, um, problems with the skin, blood cancer, decreased cartilage production. What about Parkinson's? I'm telling you, this is the Journal of the American Medical Association. We're talking 61,000 people a year experience drug-induced Parkinson's-like symptoms. If your body is in chronic pain, You've got to find the solution. The solution is not going to come in a bottle of pills. And it's for sure as heck not going to come from the standard medical doctor. Doctors, if you're listening to this, let's break the bonds of your practice. Be real doctors. Don't categorize people in a diagnostic protocol. Look at the person. Look at not the symptoms and, and, and throw away the old books. Throw away what, you're, what you were learned, okay? It, you're not going to go in and say, does that pain go to the knee or beyond the knee? How would you describe the pain? Is it burning, sharp, or shooting? Okay, forget that. Get to the real heart of the problem. Find out. How is the patient's physical, chemical, or emotional stress load like? What's their history of trauma in the past? Don't look at the symptom of the moment. That symptom of the moment, by God, it's there as an intelligent response. It's giving you their, the clue to their physiology. Do you know that chronic pain is going to decrease blood supply to the gut? Chronic pain can change the brain structure and function. I mean, chronic pain can shrink the gray matter of the brain by 5 to 11%. And we're talking in six months. This is the equivalent of 10 to 20 years of, of aging of the brain. I mean, chronic pain literally will change the structure of your brain. It's going to change your physiology. And, and it's, it's unethical and immoral to drug symptoms without going after the cause of it. So we have to absolutely change that. I mean, you're talking risk of dementia. There was, there was one study. Honest to God, this, this, is, this is how insane the pharmaceutical industry was. They thought, yes, non anti-inflammatory drugs may prevent Alzheimer's um, dementia. Amazing. What a great thing. So finally, we got, we got a use for Advil, Motrin, Tylenol, and Aleve. Okay? Here's the bummer. Uh, they did the study, and they found out, quote, 
Contrary to the hypothesis that non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs protect against Alzheimer's dementia, pharmacy-defined heavy non-steroidal anti-inflammatory users showed an increase of dementia and Alzheimer's disease by 66%. It also showed that an increase of heart attacks, myocardial infarctions, um, was associated with non-steroidal anti-inflammatory use. End of quote. Yeah, so it turns out that drugging your body with something that decreases inflammation. What's inflammation? Oh, it's an intelligent response by the body. Yeah, that's right. Turns out that it's bad. I mean, I know it's a, 1999 was a really long time ago, but that's when the Food and Drug Administration approved this drug called Vioxx. Now, Vioxx was going to be amazing. It, it caused pain relief. Oh, pain relief. Have you heard that? That's right. Is that one of the causes of the opioid epidemic? Yeah. Well, 19 years ago, they still didn't know anything about looking for the source of pain either. So they approved Vioxx. Great new drug. Man, patent medicine. Go, baby, go. Okay, so this was a billion. I mean, we're talking in 2003, $2.9 billion it made. So this was a moneymaker. However, it was pulled in 2004. Um, because they knew that it killed almost 30,000 people. That's right. That, that is true. No one went to jail. 27,000 people known deaths. Now, between 2016, at 2016, they, the number of deaths weren't clear because it was destroying people's hearts, but they know it was between 60,000 and 100,000 people had died from this. Now, here's a quote from a journal article that was advertising Vioxx. Quote, the overall mortality rate and the rate of death from cardiovascular causes were similar in the two groups. They were comparing Vioxx with a placebo. So either they lied or these things were not discovered until the drug was let loose on the public. Let's look at the facts. Under pain, your autonomic nervous system, this fight or flight system kicks in. Under pain, your body is gonna elevate your heart rate, elevate your blood sugar, and elevate your cholesterol and decrease blood supply to the gut. So could digestive disorders, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, and type 2 diabetes be the result of some chronic physical, chemical, or emotional stress? More than likely. When we look at your immune system, because your body never does anything unintelligent, macrophages, which are one of the most potent immune system cells that you have, are directly connected to the nervous system. There is even a study back in 2003, again in the Journal of Spine, that compared chiropractic with Vioxx. Yeah, that was the drug that was taken off the market. Now, here's the difference, because Vioxx was actually um, destroying the body's awareness of pain and you know, end result, side effect, people died a heart attack and it killed a bunch of people. Where they were comparing chiropractic. Now, here's the interesting thing. They only did a few weeks of chiropractic. And uh, 18 months after the study, the chiropractic group was still stable. However, the Vioxx group had to pull out because the drug was removed because it caused so many heart attacks and strokes. Yes, chiropractic turned out to be better. Why? Not because you know, chiropractors or anything special, we're not covering up the symptoms. 
We're fixing the body's response. You don't look at the arm pain, neck pain, back pain. You look at what's the cause of it. You don't fix the bunion formation, the diverticulitis, the endometriosis. You look at the cause of this. The body is intelligent. If you want to start getting off of the drugs, okay, first, never take two drugs together. Separate them by at least an hour if you can. The challenge is, We've got some patients on 15, 18. The most I've ever seen is 32 prescriptions. I mean, this is insane. There are natural anti-inflammatories. Now, what a natural anti-inflammatory does is it gives your body the antioxidants to make inflammation. Remember, inflammation is a healing process of the body. We don't want to stop it. We want to give the right materials. Green veggie juice, turmeric, blueberries, broccoli, papaya, pineapples. I mean, very, very simple stuff. Hey, there was a great article in the Clinical Journal of Pain in 1998 that compared cayenne peppers. That's it. Capsaicin. It found out that it was phenomenal for bringing relief to headaches. Uh, Natural pain relievers, water, deep breathing, fish oils. Um, There's so many different things. But again, I don't want you using fish oils, cayenne pepper, ginger, botswellia, bromelain, all of these things to cover up pain. Appreciate that your body is intelligent. Appreciate that your body is going to respond to this environment with an intelligent response. So pain, depression, anxiety, these are all intelligent adaptations to a toxic deficient environment. Trust your body. Respect your body as this is the only one you got. Get on an organic plant-based diet. Get some fermented veggies. Blend your fruits. Drink your, um, get some juicing. Uh, Get your nervous system checked. Get regular exercise, proper nutrition, sufficient rest, and prayer and meditation. We're going to have this all tonight. Go to ExtremeHealthAcademy.com. That's uh, our teaching website. Or go to DrJohnBergman.com. That's our education website. The information is out there. If your doctor doesn't understand it, fire him. You are the doctor. The doctor within is the one we're talking to now. And this is Dr. John Bergman. God bless you, and I love you. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.